Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. Monday's Terrace Podcast, a podcast that has invested more money in Lemsip over the past fortnight than those guys that realise you can make crystal meth out of it. I'm Graham Thillis and it's a miserable damp day in Glasgow here today, but fortunately I'm joined by two men who bring light into my life. First of all, I have Mr SPL Stats, Craig Anderson. Hello. And a man with an office in his own home, it's Mr Tom Watt. Hello. <laughs> Such a real thing. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, we've had another typically quiet weekend of Ladbrokes Premiership action, and I had fully intended to pretend that it hadn't happened, but my brain is so filled with phenylethylen hydrochloride, it's messing with my judgement, so we'll rip the plaster off, are we? Um, so it's Rangers 7, uh, that's 7, uh, Motherwell 1. Uh, that was a laugh, eh? <laughs> so I should say, I... I I've been watching Kelly for 25 years now and I don't think I've ever seen his ship seven um, so how did that feel Graham? I've seen his ship seven I've seen his, seen his ships I've seen his ship six and not lose uh, oh, which, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is always a good one uh, I wasn't in Aberdeen for the eight two game um, I saw us get cuffed off Celtic by five goals a couple of times seen us get scored concede five to Rangers uh, Sunday was kind of his bad a beating as we've had from just about anybody um, not only in terms of obviously the scoreline's ludicrous um, but just in terms of performance as well um, bearing in mind that the six of the seven goals were conceded in less than an hour as well um, it was is not a great look for us um, my I had, my main concern before kick-off and the build-up to the game was the way that we would set up because we are uh, fairly inflexible 
tactically. Um, so we stuck rigidly to a three-five-two until all evidence suggested that, that no longer worked because we didn't have the players for it. Uh, so we switched to a four-four-two with a diamond in midfield, which was fine against Dundee and fine against Mirren because none of their players get forward. Um, so you're not exposed like that. But when you've got fullbacks like James Tavernier and Andy Halliday, um, <laughs> that. Diamond in midfield will be exploited because there'll be space out in the wings, and that's very much how the game played out. Um, Arsfield scored the first goal um, as Tavernier had about 20 minutes to pick a cross um, and to drop a ball in the, the, the penalty box. Um, and then Motherwell, to their credit, um, sorted their shit out um, very briefly. They got themselves back into the game, scored a really nice goal. Um, Bowman uh, sending uh, Katic for a hot dog um, and crossing for. Curtis Main I'm beginning to wonder whether Curtis Main has a bit of a hex on him and that he seems incapable of getting in a run of form and every time he does score and you think oh that's great he scored maybe that'll crack nah um, so obviously the, the goal he scored against Kelly earlier in the season which he then followed up by missing a penalty and going missing for three weeks um, and then again on Sunday as well got his goal played well it was a very odd finish yeah, it just, it just sort of ran yeah, into if it. If he didn't kick the ball, the ball just came to him and went in. Which kind of plays into exactly what I'm saying, and that Curtis Main maybe just needs a couple of goals and then he'll be giving himself the confidence to get into the game because at the moment he is working very hard, but he's not looking like he's getting into scoring positions like a number of other centre forwards in Scotland just now. Um, and you think about well, just running the ball into the net, that's the, that is quite literally the, the proverbial bouncing off his arse and going in just about. Um, and then we conceded two bookings in the space of five minutes with Carl McHugh and conceded a penalty um, like I'll leave the penalty debate to you Craig that's entirely new Tom as well it's entirely <laughs> up to you guys but again the whole that whole situation came again from Mullerwell being overloaded on their left and Rangers right as Gresda again I've no idea whether I've still no idea whether Gresda's a good player or not um, he looked good, but again, no one got near him for 90 minutes, so no idea. But Tavernier again, bombed into the right. Uh, Tate was left exposed because bigger a man I can't get out quickly enough because he's not got the legs to do it. Um, and then the subsequent dramas from that led to a penalty. Um, what do you think? I think it's a penalty. Um, so I know Michael Stewart was having a bit of a meltdown, in fact, about it, about this um, idea of deliberate handball and and, it, and that's the rule it must be deliberate yeah. but I think it's the interpretation of what deliberate means and I think it's, it's kind of well accepted that it incorporates that idea of a deliberate act of making yourself throwing your arms making out. yourself bigger to stop the ball so he's throwing himself to block the ball that's the entire purpose of McHugh's um, action it's just to block the ball and the way he does that is to make himself a bigger target with his arm raised above his head and that's to me why I think it's a penalty and I, and I do think it was a yellow card because it was a, a kind of goal-bound shot cool. that was that was going to be my main query on it really was your thoughts on whether it was a booking the first booking again none of the angles were particularly clear on it I thought it was a bit soft the I first thought, one looked soft yeah. the first one looked soft um, second one again I wasn't totally convinced it was a booking because if you're I understand by possibly the laws of the game that if you're making yourself big it's a deliberate handball then it is a booking but it's to me it was it's not it's a handball, give the penalty, fine. Totally understand that, but the, the booking I thought was a bit harsh for that as well. I found it weird. It kind of didn't look like Thompson was going to yeah. book him. And then it looked, I think it looks really bad in the picture yeah. because it looks like 
Rangers player points came up. from and then he, I think what's happening from watching it back is that he wasn't sure who it was yeah. that, that handled it and he's probably taken it at three's earpiece from the assistant but I think maybe just for the aesthetic of it it might have been better to kind of have a wee <laughs> run over or some, just something yeah. that yeah. doesn't make just you want to take a lot of book him and he's went oh I think given Craig Thompson's run of red cards against Motherwell I think that would possibly have helped um, help him <laughs> as well and given his other two red cards have been sending off Shea Logan for getting hit in the face and Mikey Devlin for tackling somebody 30 yards from goal <laughs> so yeah great stuff Um after that the game kind of fell apart for Motherwell entirely Rangers were very good uh, and deserve a lot of credit for absolutely going through the throat I know that's something which I think all of us quite enjoy like, all of us are always insisting that the team should absolutely try and rack up as many goals as possible and I'm fully for that as well if it's, if it's against Motherwell it doesn't change my opinion of that if there's a chance that it scored 10 goals score 10 goals um, and they very much took that uh, that opportunity but uh, yeah, so that's uh, Rangers in crisis over then, given that they're now two points off Celtic and obviously two points off the top as well. So what does that mean now for them? Um, it's very difficult to tell because their home form has been so good. That the home, it's, I mean, there, there, there hasn't really ever been a problem with the home form whatsoever and, and it's a pretty ominous place to go at the, at the best times for opposition teams, never mind the fact you play for 55 minutes with the man down and 55 minutes without the remaining 10, 10 players looking like they've ever kicked a ball together um, November 1910 was the last time that Rangers put seven past smashing thanks 108 years ago I think we had Dundee last when the Scottish Cup but yeah it, it, it was it was a, it was strange because for the first so like Rangers absolutely dominated proceedings for the for the uh, for the start of the game and they did they looked like they could have scored five or six yeah. and then they did what they what they have done right throughout the season and just conceded a goal out of nothing and looked shaken for looked a couple just of minutes. A li- they just didn't know what it like, was how really, did that happen. From from my perspective it was a really lovely couple of minutes where you looked at it and thought, Maybe they are on the ropes here, maybe they maybe they, maybe they've been in Moscow and back with their slow Nah. Mm. But it did look like that and I think that had had I mean, the the games that they've dropped points in recently have been when they've been on the ascendancy and something's just completely taken the yeah. wind out of their sails. But, you know, handing them a man advantage and then a penalty in, in quick succession and then Motherwell just deciding they weren't going to put in bodies, headers, tackles, yeah. block, anything, and we're just we're, we're losing out on pretty simple balls into the box and throwing themselves into tackles when there's players, you know, like... Like making slide tackles when they do, there was no need to just yeah. stand the man up and let him do something. Like, I don't know. Just nah, why you just feel apart? Kind of what I made a note about Muller. Well, usually if you see a team leaving that amount of space and behind it's because all the players are pressing the ball too hard, they're making too many tackles, they're getting too tight to the ball. But Muller weren't even doing that either. There were a few tackles going in, but it was like they weren't tackling or marking, and, and it was kind of that way of well, you wouldn't look at any individual and say you didn't put enough in. You were just looking and like, what what are the players doing while this is going on? And it's not even the defenders because and they, their jobs to yeah. defend, but it's it's midfield in front of them. Obviously, they lost McCure, which doesn't help. But yeah. there has to there had to be more from from those guys. They kind of left hung hung the back four out to dry. And sometimes he's in when you've already got you know Cadden playing right back, which is not I think his position. Tate's not a, not well, left back. Certainly not left back either. No. Um, it, it just all adds up to kind of one of these messes that you can get yeah and I, 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 Motherwell it's uh, for, after back to back wins and a little bit of positivity 
it's now back to very very negative response from the fans obviously you, you can't kiddie on that you've not been beat that you've been beaten seven seven one and now you've got an international break where you've got two weeks of not being able to write it uh, and then you come back from that straight in a game against Aberdeen so potentially a very difficult time for Motherwell coming up over the next few weeks um, moving on uh, thank goodness uh, we'll move on to Sexy St Johnston 4 Hamilton Ackies now um, and St Johnston are brilliant are they going to win the league? <laughs> they're only three points behind I think St Johnston we've been talking about having a, you know, had a fairly shaky start but it shows you like you know what usually they say what winning a couple of games could do what winning five games in a row can do they get you right up the table they win five games in a row don't concede any goals and they can do wonders <laughs> what, what, what I absolutely adore about it is that they've won five games in a row uh, they're playing brilliantly looking great fifth place three points was it three points behind and they've still got a goal difference of minus two. Like it's just the, <laughs> just that particular that single stat, that single stat. Like the rest of it, obviously, deserve all the credit for for getting five games in a row, five wins in a row, five good wins in a row as well, and still being a negative two goal difference. That just feels very St Johnston all of a sudden. And again, it's not. I think that sort of leads into this game perfectly as well because you kind of have the idea of St Johnston have won five games in a row. Well, they've been defensively solid and they've been organised. They're not like with mean, the all those things, but that's not the that's not the fundamental part of their game just yeah. now. The Wright, Wotherspoon, Watt, and uh, Kennedy absolutely tore Rackies to pieces. Yeah, and I think it's that it's interesting. Like the attack in previous years with Stephen McLean up there, he's been the focal point and he's been there to kind of run around. Whereas now McLean's not there, it's like they're all just rotating a bit more. You know, they, they do have McMillan or Kane who are kind of still the classic number nine. But neither of them are necessarily always playing. Yeah. Someone like Watt as a centre forward is more likely to kind of drop into space. And you're seeing that work, you're seeing the pace get round everywhere. Now when it doesn't work, it doesn't work like uh, Robbie Park on the opening day. Watt was left isolated because the, the wide players didn't get up and support them, they were too busy defending essentially. Yeah. But when it works it is it and that's, so good. That's as much a confidence thing perhaps as anything else. And obviously five games in the bounce, you're gonna be confident, but I thought that the what was it Kennedy's goal was a perfect example of that of what going deep taking the ball and as much as we all I think we all have have discussed how much we love Stephen McLean I don't think Stephen McLean can drop deep could could have dropped deep in the way that Watt did and clip that pass around for Kennedy to run onto I thought it was that was one of my favourite goals of the weekend that was an absolutely smashing bit of play from them both um, and again you look at the start of the season and you expect uh, Swanson and Scoogle to be big parts of this St Johnston team but barely in the team barely played at all um, and the other guy guys like Dre Wright particularly I thought on Saturday looked like he'd absolutely taken Ziggy Gordon to pieces yeah, yeah. Um, uh, highlighted beautifully by the, the wonderful goal of Ziggy Gordon's dish as well which is very good <laughs> I think I, I, I'm really impressed with the work rate though the, the work rate with, with all four like they've got pace and they're, they can go direct if they have to and they've got movement but Kennedy and, and Wright their work rate they, they get back and forward um, they occupy fullbacks. They, they help out their defence and they break at pace. And they, they're now they seem to have sorted out some of their early season woes with scoring goals and shipping six every time. <laughs> um, but they, it looks like they. There's a lot of words you used to describe St Johnson over the last, I don't know, eight years when they've been a pretty good side all in. Yep. But they've never been dynamic. Yeah, they've never been. Uh, they've never played football that you thought actually you know they could 
they could go into this game and score five or six goals in this. They could really go on, and they they could have comfortably scored more than that. Game. The, the the closest they've come to was the the year they had a sort of Stevie May at Stevie May's peak, as it turned out, mm-hmm. um, and that, that team with Nigel Hasselbank as well, and Liam Craig with an all sort of half yard in his legs. They were, they were a really good fun team to watch, but this team seems even more than that. Um, I watched a good chunk of the game on Y Scout as well, and they just they kept the ball for ages. There was like a, there was maybe about twenty five minutes into the game, and they must have kept the ball for about five minute period, just moving it left to right, back forward, move left. If this and again, it's the it's the continual argument of if this was any other league in the world, you'd be, you'd be talking this up, and yeah, you would rightfully be doing so. And St Johnston deserve that credit as well because it really was a really sort of complete performance from them. Um, Aki's maybe not maybe yeah. not so much. Well I thought it's um, it's interesting you know, watch, watching the highlights on sports scene last night. BBC notorious for maybe introducing balance where balance is not necessary. You know, if they if that the debate on what today was or if someone wanted to say that today was Tuesday, they would have someone who was arguing that no it in fact is not Tuesday, um, regardless of the facts of the Gregorian calendar or anything <laughs> like it. Even with the BBC like that, all we can muster up for Habernakis was one header onto the top of the bar from a corner. Whereas they had about literally about fifty chances from St Johnston <laughs> in that highlight package, so I think that as much as anything displayed the um, utter domination of that performance. I thought it was interesting as well. Obviously, Aki's had, had picked up a good result against uh, Livingston the week before, and then straight back from that because they're now no longer suspended, now fit again. Emery and McKinnon came straight back into the team, which I thought was a weird choice for, for Canning to make um, I wonder you know they always talk about a manager he obviously played with both of them and, and the difficulty in kind of unpicking that relationship from going from friend and teammate to being their manager and he's never had to until now because they've always been key players worry about yeah. should we have been in these two but I wonder if he's now struggling with that because yeah and, uh, and you, a big you, character yeah, I was going to say you'd imagine both of them are, are big parts of that Aki's team as well um, in the in the dressing room, uh, and just as a, as a final aside to that, that's now what's it? I got this on the BBC, so apologies if it's wrong. It's now seven hours and thirty six minutes since St Johnston conceded a goal. Sounds right. It was five games, so that yeah. that mm-hmm. works. Yeah, good smashing. <laughs> just covered that very very briefly. Um, so we move on to Dundee versus St Mirren, uh, which in a six pointer ended up with one apiece and great news for Mother and Hamlet Nackies. Um, is anybody happy with this? No. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's the bleakest outcome. At least someone was meant to be, like, have a bit of optimism after this. I liked uh, Kenny Miller's, <laughs> Kenny Miller's quote um, uh, in the papers afterwards was, it's the kind of performance we've been working for in the last few weeks. Like, the kind of performance you've been working for, working up to in the last few weeks, is a 1-1 draw at home against a team that hasn't won since the opening day. That's against Dundee. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, it just that's that's what you've been hoping for, and uh, it, it, I don't know, that was incredibly bleak. Um, I think Dundee were probably the better team, um, but I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing for them, given that they didn't end up winning. Uh, it's I don't know, like you, you really did feel coming into this that these are the two worst sides in, in the division comfortably. I mean, if we've, we've talked about it before, if you to rank the ability of squads, they wouldn't be in the top. They'd be struggle to be in the top twenty exactly <laughs> on, on current form, um, and 
I don't know. I you'll just feel sorry for both of them in a way. Nobody, nobody came away happy. That result does nobody any good whatsoever, and it's just unrelentingly bleak for them both. I, I really enjoyed it because I lashed in one each on my SPFL score <laughs> predictor because I was like, "There's no chance either of these teams is going to have enough to win this game." Um, do we reckon it was a penalty for for Timmy and Jackson? I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't seen an, I haven't seen an angle yet which conclusively proves it wasn't um, and I don't know there, there seemed like there was enough in it that it could have been I, I don't think it was a dive anyway I think it, it was a soft penalty I was just wondering if the Dungeon Supporters Trust were going to be asking if Bobby Madden's dad <laughs> played for St Mary's at any point um, but no it was a it was a, a soft penalty but I feel like there was there was probably an appeal later on that was more of a penalty which yep. was the one on McGinn um, although St Mirren's game plan does appear to just revolve around trying to win a penalty <laughs> uh, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure that's sustainable um, I mean they, they seem to their game plan at the start of the season at Betfred Cup appeared to be just to draw every game and then win it on penalties that's yeah, true so, maybe, um, so maybe the idea of, maybe that's part of um, when we're talking about when we're talking about what Alan Stubbs has done to the club maybe he has actually just redressed what football actually is at St Mirren they need to everyone needs to learn how to actually win a game of football again um, on that as well I mean while it's difficult to, to read too much into the game because it was a draw and because it was pretty poor stuff Dundee looked faintly balanced St Mirren looked faintly more balanced than they have done um, Dundee with Nathan Ralph who Gary had slated earlier on and then has rode back from that significantly because he's the only left back that they've got um, but it was Ralph and Miller out on the left looked like an actual left side um, and then obviously uh, Kerr and Curran out on the right allows both um, Ke- I think it's the best out of, of, of Cammy Kerr because it allows him to have a bit of support in front of him and stops him having to play wing back which probably helps him enormously um, and again it allows Callum Miller to get forward as well mm. the, the thing for me is that it kind of, I was drumming I was watching, watching bits of it back I was drawn to a comment that Craig Fowler made which was I think he went to the opening game of the season when these two played each other <laughs> and he came away and thought you know he was like maybe Dundee are okay for, maybe they'll have a chance at the top six and he was like oh Cammy Smith's uh, going to be a, a really good player and it was all these positive comments and as it, he said as it turned out it was just that they were both really really bad and so they kind of <laughs> made each other look good and I was watching that game and I was like there weren't any glaring glaringly terrible aspects yeah. of either team's performance and it, and it makes you wonder are they just both so bad that they cancel each other out in that respect whereas when they play someone better you go ooh having, having watched both of them over over a week period I would say yeah pretty much, pretty much I, would, I, would, I would agree with that um, well, a pretty damning statistic and it's like one of those stats that has like slight false equivalency but um, Cristiano Ronaldo in 12 games three events this season has had 88 shots on target I'm <laughs> oh, sorry 88 shots at goal this season Dundee have had 86 <laughs> in 13 matches and uh, St Brennan have had 65 I mean uh, <laughs> <laughs> and as well as that I mean James Tavernier has scored more penalties than every other club in the rest of Scottish football so. rest of Europe uh, yes I believe so so yeah as, as, the, as this proves Statistics are absolutely infallible, um, particularly when you tell the truth all the time. Um, the only other thing I really had to say on this was um, how cracking across it was from Shalman as well into Kenny Miller for a, a chance that he almost couldn't miss. Um, I'd say that Simeon Jackson still did his very best to miss the penalty as well, so given how things went there, I, I would think one each might be a positive result for both of them because both of them finally got the ball in the net. 
I can't just say anything Chalmers and whether he's good or not I've watched him a lot of times and I'm like yeah, he's hardly scored but there's always these little bits of maybe he's okay we'll find out Smashing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to, to more players that you might not be able to know if they're good or not, we'll go to Hearts and Kilmarnock, uh, where we saw uh, Ross Millen scoring a goal which he looked like the happiest human being alive. Uh, it's not that surprising. He was uh, he got relegated from League One last season. He was not particularly brilliant at Queen's Park in League One last season, so I doubt he kind of suspected that he was going to, a few months later, be scoring away to the team that were top of the top flight um, one thing I did learn was that the sort of off quoted thing about how uh, lower league players are actually fitter than top flight players turns out after Ross Millen whipped his shirt off that might actually be I true because he was absolutely stacked <laughs> he was in good shape but no, it was really good for him because opening few, he played three of the Betfred games um, because O'Donnell had been away with Scotland and they, they decided to kind of give him an extra rest and it was so noticeable because those games it was um, it was having Callum Waters at fullback rather than O'Donnell and Taylor and yeah. O'Donnell and Taylor have been so important to Kelly in terms of an attacking outlet and it was so noticeable when both were missing and you, I kind of assumed Ross Millen wouldn't play for Kelly again obviously O'Donnell's injury even at that I thought McKenzie may have been given a shout at right back so it was surprising and interesting to see him play defensively there was still a couple of question marks but you couldn't kind of argue with the attacking side of his performance so that apparently he's been working on that a lot he's been working really hard and deserves a chance so fair play to him and, and it kind of does show you a bit of graft can yeah. get you a long way so he's going to be Scotland's right back in will Hearts ever win a game of football again? Uh, at some point but uh, <laughs> I don't know when I mean <coughs> when did they play some mum? <laughs> oh, <then. laughs> um, I think like, at the start of the season they looked like they'd added like really exciting players to like an already good squad, and they've added they added a hell of a lot of players. That, now they look like they've added some good players to a squad that haven't really played together, and they do look like a, 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 they don't look like a unit, and they don't look like they have a huge amount of creativity, and they've lost so many of the key players um, in the last couple of games. They had, all, I mean, they had sixty percent possession, but just didn't really have any kind of idea with what to do with the ball. They didn't really have anyone that was able to do an awful lot. Creative. I thought Hearing was good in the middle, but um, it, was, it was kind of Hearing was, was the midfield for Hearts. The kind of I, I watched the entire game, um, but I, due to the aforementioned illnesses that we were all suffering <laughs> from, I didn't go through it. Thank God, but I watched it all back, and I, even after watching the game, I couldn't really work out who was playing central midfield with. Hearing, I think June was playing. Now, now, this is not me being facetious. <laughs> actually, was was June playing? I know Lee was playing, but he was playing out left. Like it was, it was just hearing against Kelly in the middle of the park, essentially. And he's a very good player, so he kind of held his own against. His, his legs are long enough to win tackles yeah. and one from side to side, anyway. So I think that's fine. And, but, but as you said, they didn't really trouble Kelly too many times, even though they had a lot of, a lot of the ball because. Bachman within goals, he looked up. He was questionable against Rangers in the previous game he played in the the cup. Um, never did anything particularly wrong, but you just always felt a bit nervy about him. And it was the same again. There was a couple of crosses. Leo, Leo Fassa. Yeah, <laughs> there was a couple of crosses where he came out and did a kind of Superman act and um, never, you know, never got the ball. Just jumped away past it. Uh, the, the chance at the end when um, when fin- uh, Broadfoot and Finlay kind of combined to get it clear was an example of that. He never really made them make many saves. And Kelly didn't make um, 
Bobby make many saves and, and he couldn't probably because he just let shot straight through his body now. Like, I, did, I, I did enjoy that suggestion in the group chat that Bobby's Lamel looked great until people started firing shots directly at him and that was, <laughs> as it turned out that was his script tonight <laughs> I think the doing is quite interesting though they went, like, I mean, there's been lots of debates about like pit, the pitch and home advantage for Kelly but actually they're the best away team in the league at the moment and uh, uh, they've got a pretty decent record and, and of the two games that went away from home one of them was that my favourite also on plastic so <laughs> I think it, I think it's that to rest yeah. I think um, yeah I think for Kelly it was a bit of um, talk about the depth of the squad and making a question that recently but O'Donnell was injured Brophy was injured Stuart was suspended um, McDonald was, was dropped um, or rotated or whatever you want to call it I would say dropped and um, <laughs> Jones was left out again possibly dropped or rotated out I thought it was a bit harsh on him but um, the players that came in all did well um, Boyd put himself about up front um, he's obviously not the answer to start games all the time but it was fine and Jolly had probably one of his best games because I'm not, not being a huge fan but he was really dangerous Millen came in and did fine Bachman was untroubled and um, moving to the five in midfield work for that game wouldn't necessarily want it all the time and so it was really heartening and that's the interesting thing with this Kelly team every time they get a setback and I kind of start thinking you know because I have this even even now you have this kind of dream in your head of maybe we can win the league like until you can't until you can't win the league you can win the league I know I know fine well in, in my head that we're not going to win the league but you've got that little bit of you and every time it takes a setback, you know, Aberdeen last week and you're like, mm, that was a good chance because we knew actually if we beat Aberdeen and then beat Hearts, we would have been top, yeah. even just temporarily. Um, and we lose to Aberdeen and you're like, okay. But every time they come back and surprise you and do get the result. And it's another one, you know, two, only two points behind Hearts now. Yep. Um, and, and Celtic, but they've, they've got um, two games in hand maybe, but uh, one. But you do just keep going, well, we're still there. Yep. And yeah, good, well done. Again, and I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm long beyond trying to predict how Steve Clark does things because, again, jumping back to Terry Scripture, was the the Kelly lineup was announced before the game, and the immediate the immediate shout in the in the group chat was get your money on getting your money on the famous because Kelly are going to struggle today just the number of bodies that are in there. There's guys like Millen who are a bit uh, sort of rotated into the team aren't regulars, whereas Hearts, I mean, it's still Hearts and they're still top of the league. Turns out, nah, Steve Clark will just make it work. He's a, an alchemist of just mad stuff going on, which is relentless. And again, it was something which was uh, very much reflected in the in the Kelly turnout on Saturday as well, which looked pretty much sold out in the in yeah, the way, didn't they, they, the original the original allocation was like six fifty or something, and it went really fast. And so yeah, there. It's just a, a, a sign. I think the away fan, away crowds have always been big, even when the home fit crowds haven't been, just yeah. because uh, they can be a bit more fun, to be yeah. honest. But um, <laughs> the, the home crowds are starting to come back, and the away crowds are, are standing up to it, and yeah, it's, it's exciting times. And we've got uh, Alexei Romenko coming back to play in Blue and White for uh, Chris Boyce's testimonial, <laughs> which I had no intention at all of going to that game, just because I thought it's against Rangers, it might be a bit of a. Bit of that. Yeah, but I'm not sure about it, but you've got Eric Menko, Piscali, Craig Bryson, uh, Andy McLaren all turning up, and I'm like, ooh, maybe I will. Is Pascali bringing his bicycle? Because that's the only thing that would get me along. Oh, that's right, that, was that that press conference <laughs> thing you did? I remember that, yes. Um, but no, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I'm now very, very... Um, conflicted. Conflicted on it. <laughs> uh, okay, that would give take us on to... Uh, Friday night's game, which was uh, Aberdeen 1, Hibernian 0, with a 
I think calling it an early shot is is possibly not really doing it doing it is is absolute justice. But Gary Kai Stephen scoring from about three days ago, so yeah, <laughs> lovely stuff. With three days ago, the Weller kind of had a big impact on the game. I would say I thought Aberdeen deserved to win. Um, the much more so than they, they did last weekend, um, where it was a bit smash and grab. Like this time, they were comfortably the better team throughout. I thought Hibs Hibs flattered to deceive a lot. Just uh, just very quickly on that, that's in two games, Aberdeen have had eight shots on target and have taken six points. Effective. It's very good. I remember uh, uh, years ago. This is a terrible story, but um, I'll do it anyway. Um, I remember watching the English Championship of the year, Stoke got promoted I think and I remember watching a game about two thirds of the way through the season and they said oh, Stoke have scored 27 goals and got 48 points or something like that and I'm like how does that even work um, but um, maybe a similar idea of yeah. uh, just very fast there was a year in the 90s it was ARK Stockholm won the league and they were the lowest scorers in the entire division and they were like yeah drew and won 1-0 I think they scored twice in one match <laughs> That's, um, a, that's, a, that's a great bookend for that because they won it at the weekend as well. Yeah, that's true, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, Gary McEstephen loves scoring against Hibs. He's got eight league goals for Aberdeen, five of them against Hibs, and only one of those others was from open play. <laughs> the others were penalty. So, yeah, it, it, he, he does seem to love playing them. Um, I thought Aberdeen were the best without being like the, 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 the cup game against. St Mirren when they could have scored a lot more than they did and has the caveat that it was against St Mirren and St Mirren at their absolute worst yep. they had no idea what they were playing and Aberdeen just threw kids in and the kids were having fun um, it was the most complete team performance that they had of the season so far I thought uh, like Devlin Shinny Ferguson were all really good Stevie May had his best game in a long time even though he still is thinking about things yeah. and he needs to stop thinking about things <laughs> Because he's that's like the third time in four games he's gone through one on one and thought, should I lob him? Should I go round him? Should I hit? And if he'd just taken any just of the it. other two options yeah. at any point, he'd have scored. Um, but like he 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 was effective when he came on against Kelly, and I thought his work rate was was great. Um, I think again, I think uh, Aberdeen deserved to win that uh, win the game. I, I thought Hibbs their setup wasn't right. They didn't the the, the back three and the tinkering with the with the with the starting eleven that uh, Neil Lennon seems to be doing at the moment does seem to have thrown momentum off a little bit. Um, in in theory, Canberra and, and McLaren up front should be amazing. They've not clicked yet. The fact that you know Canberra went, went round Joe Lewis and didn't think to square it to to McLaren, I, I think that chemistry is not there quite yet. But they just didn't quite look at it. Um, I don't know if conditions played a part or if they've just their confidence has taken a knock. But they got overrun, um, and they didn't really. Other than a couple of half chances, uh, I, I think they were they were Aberdeen were pretty comfortable. Yeah. I, I, again, I thought uh, similar to Muller. I thought the way the way the Hibs were set up was just wrong. Um, just straight from the off, uh, when you saw as soon as you see Gary Kai Stephen, it was. Just all his eyes lighting up as he saw Ryan Porter. He's like, I can have you all day, yeah. all day, every day. You can hit me maybe once, and that's it. And he did after sixty minutes. And I was convinced he's not going to last. Yeah, no, no chance. And it just every time it was a one-on-one with him, you could just see him. And Stevenson's doing his back the best to get back and try and support him. But 
you could just see every time McKay Steaming got anywhere near us. I just I don't even need to beat you. I just need to put it past you, and I'm not gonna. He's, he's quick enough, but he's not winger quick. It's interesting. Like both is one of these centre halves, you can see him at a young age. You're like, you know, he's going to be good. Yeah. And you're what you're watching right now is the development of a young centre half, which is he's physically very imposing, but he's still not got that um, aspect of when players run at him he doesn't know what to do yeah. and he's also got the, the stupid mistakes which is what we saw for the goal and we've, we've seen similar from him before and it won't be interesting to watch is um, you know does he does he blossom as a, in a sense into a Scott McKenna who probably was playing at Airfront he was the yeah. same age and doing the same daft things thing. yeah. or does he go the way of someone like Grant Hanley who was that player in the Scotland jersey at age 19 mm. It's an interesting one for Portis, but yeah, he was. um, uh, It wasn't the first error he'd made in the game for the goal, and it it was obviously the crucial one. But even after that, like, was it Milligan coming back? um, Yeah, I think so, yeah. Made no effort. It was was just a mess all round from the kind of Hibs players, and then I don't think Baldan. Um, covered himself in glory with the shot. He's yet to do that much at all this no, season at any point. I don't rate him. Um, I don't think. I, I'm confused about what's going on with their goalkeeper situation. Yeah, I, I, I saw. It was when I saw Marciano on the bench. I was confused by because Marciano again has, I would say, possibly similar flaws to Bogdan in that he's quite poor in the same sort of areas. But at the same time, he was here last year and made far far fewer errors than Bogdan has to this point. You would say, and again. You would imagine Bogdan's on fairly chunky wages um, as well, which is possibly why he's in, in the first team as well. Um, just on Aberdeen, the, th- the thing that sort of struck me was just how defensively imposing um, they are. And again, it's, it's something I feel like I say every time I'm on talking about Aberdeen in, in terms of grinding out results, but they can only do that because that back four is absolutely rock solid. And the addition, the, the one... Obviously, Devlin has been, has been well, huge. That, that too will probably be starting for Scotland this weekend yeah. I mean it's, it's I've no complaints about that David Bates, so it's I've no, no complaints about that whatsoever yeah. either the two of them look absolutely rock solid it was the end of the um, end of the the, the Betfred Cup semi-final it was the, the two of them high-fiving in the middle of the park and embracing themselves and for me that was sort of the image of that semi-final just the two of them like that's why Aberdeen are there because the two of them are rock solid throughout the game I think they're um, flatmates yeah they do they, they, were, they were interviewed on uh, BT Sport before mm. the game and, McKenna, and obviously Devlin had come up and moved in with McKenna and you just see the two of them the two of you living together with the, I can't even imagine the state of your lives <laughs> um, but you can see again I, th- I think even just their personalities seem to complement each other very well and that Devlin uh, was Aki's captain has obviously done the whole collection of his media things whereas you could tell McKenna was, oh, was terribly reserved by the whole thing sort of shrinking in the seat for a man mountain that he is to be sort of shrinking away like that and then it cuts to the pitch and it's him laughing and joking so he's very comfortable with his teammates level, but obviously doing the, the media stuff is still coming to him um, but the one part of the, the Aberdeen defence which I think has impressed me the most has been Max Lowe and that he was brought in with a view of displacing Constantine you would imagine uh, Constantine had a horrible head knock in the in the, in the Betfred Cup game and then Lowe took the place and just hasn't left the team hasn't left and you would imagine won't Every time I see him, I can't fail to be impressed by him. Just big, athletic, and, and powerful left back getting forward, defensively good, offensively good. I think he's, I think he's a smashing player. It's a position that you're going to see. Aberdeen have been kind of involved in getting there. They really need a left back, and Considine's done fine when he's played their shinny when he's he played a few games to begin with before. He, he found what I think is his best position in the yeah. middle of the park. 
and it's good that they're actually now maybe got a left back yes yeah, so it just gives it an awful lot more balance as well because Constantine as you say he does his best there but he's, he, with all the best will in the world Tom will know better than me as Aberdeen fans that big fan like I presume he's, he's one of those sort of cult or club heroes of Andy Constantine I, I think the, the best sort of compliment you can give Maxwell is um, like, like Constantine what 14 odd years ago came in as a centre back and then about 8 or 9 years ago was played at left back and and got to, and like there does come a point after playing there for eight years or nine you're years probably you're probably back. a left back and he had a couple of like um, he had a couple of excellent seasons and he was always really good at um, set pieces and defensively very solid scored the hat trick against Dundee scored the hat trick against Dundee um, but the, the, one of the great compliments you can give Max Lowe is fans have been saying there needs to be a replacement for Andy Constantine um, as an attacking left back for eight years. And they've tried all sorts of things, and no one has replaced him. He's now, I think, the eighth or seventh or eighth all time on their Aberdeen appearance list. Um, and you know he's only thirty-one, so we'll keep good. But Maxwell's come in and looks defensively solid. He's incredibly quick, um, and I think the the bet, uh, the the cup semi uh, when he came on, he looked like a, a good out ball as much as a yeah. defensively capable. And I thought he had another good game. Yeah, Friday. I thought yeah, I, he was the, the thing sort of stuck out to me on on, on Friday night particularly. Aberdeen had a series of good performances, but I thought Lowe was, was really terrific in there. Um, just a, as, a, as a final thing on that, unless we get any more, uh, McInnes has now five wins, two draws, and one defeat against uh, Neil Lennon's Hibs. So basically, he's got one the man. He's Lennon and Clark. Yes. But definitely not Rogers. Um, yeah. No. Or yes. Hamilton, or, or Hamilton, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, there's a whole series of very odd records on in the Scottish in, in, in the top flight just now. Anyway, so that leaves us with one game to go. Um, so that's uh, Livingston nil, Celtic nil. That was great. Hmm. Um, it, it wasn't like a horrible no, game wasn't. to watch. Um, there's, there's been a lot of very unkind things said about Livingston over the past sort of 24 hours, um, which what do you want from them, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I came away as usual impressed with them in yeah. terms of they are so aggressive and so solid and I mean I, I don't understand who watches football for anything other oh, I don't mean anything other than that yeah. who, can't, who watches football and doesn't Get enjoy that yeah. and see these are guys who are working together getting the absolute most out of every single one of them there were players probably in that pitch that didn't even play that well yeah. and they don't have to because they're the most important thing beyond playing well is doing what you're there for. Do your job. Not, not losing a goal, not letting your team down, and none of them did that. So they they were that Celtic were a bit flat, and that was the combination of it was a nil nil, which never looked like anything other than a nil nil. I don't think at any point. I think one of the best compliments you can give <laughs> give Levy is that when there was that James Forrest chance that always comes yeah. when he like cuts in and he leaves a defender for dead and he's left with just like basically rolling it in the bottom yeah. corner when that came and he dropped the shoulder and got past his man and he'd cut inside there were three men <laughs> there were three men waiting for <laughs> and he didn't really know because that's never happened before um, I thought that yeah I thought I don't understand how you can be critical of Levy and them saying so they they got a drop like the, the way they've played they're probably two wins from survival um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not even Christmas no, I was going to try and argue that for a minute but I think I'm pretty sure you're right not, unless they go into administration yeah you're right I mean even then <laughs> okay, I think if you correct me if I'm wrong the, the top four have played this season they drew 0-0 with Celtic um, 
the Brunel mm-hmm. nil with Hearts. The Tin Castle, am I correct? Uh, yes, I yeah, they drew it. Yeah, 0-0 with Kelly. Yep. And then he made just 1-0. Um, and they've beaten the Hibs. They've not played Aberdeen yet. So, yeah. that shows, you know, that they... they okay, they lost to Celtic before um, Hope came in, but... Do you, do you lose to Celtic on the opening day, on flag day at Parkhead? Oh, no! <laughs> um, but I think that shows, you know, they, in these games, you know, they know what they're doing. My my real takeaway from the game was just how much I adore Keegan Jacobs' ability to continually come in from a, a, a player's blind side and just slide tackle. And there's one on Boyata, which he didn't. He, even after it happened, he still didn't give the impression he had any idea where the tackle had come from. <laughs> he just somebody's striding with the ball, and Jacobs will appear from somewhere just out of their field of vision and clean them out and take the ball. Absolutely, I, I, I was, he did it think three or four times in the game, and everyone. By the time we got to the third when I was standing applauding him, eleven and I was having such a good time. But <laughs> <laughs> the tackling is the thing that stands out. Like um, you do watch, there are some teams now. I think Motherwell on, on Saturday was an example of it. Didn't make enough tackles. Yeah. it's not something you could um, ever level at Livingston. Um, it's just it's, intensity. It's constant. It's constant, and you don't get a yard of space from them. And it means the Celtic are the quality of the players Celtic have they should be better than that and they should be able to still win because well I've been paid 10 20 times more than those Livingston players and because they're better at football yeah. um, but they were unable to do so because they just didn't too many of them didn't turn up or weren't given the chance to turn up yeah. someone like Christy who's played well for a long time was quieter yeah Tierney was a quiet was quiet down the left, you never really saw much out of him as an attacking outlet. Sinclair looked like he was having a resurgence, maybe not. Yeah. Forrest the same. It's like you look at all the scores and Edward was, was just kept kept quiet. Yeah. So I mean, he was he was he was barely in the game for the ninety minutes as well. Rogic as well. So you're looking at every single one of the big players that you think might do something yep. and none of them look like it. And I think as well, all the talk has been of how like quite rightly about how solidly they were and how they like how dogged they were as well. They did. They had the two yeah, best chances really really in, did, yeah. in that game, and they caught like every time they had a set piece. Like any time the the, the throw ins could be lost, and every time there was corners coming in, they were causing pandemonium for a bit. Pandemonium, if I can say it right. Uh, there was a good like fifteen minute spell when Celtic looked properly ropey at the back and. They were. It was just all was going across the box. It was just because it was, as I say, as I say, it's just relentless from them. Yeah. Like whenever Livy get their tails up, it's as you say, sort of a 10, 15 minute period of just hit them, hit them, hit them, and just keeping on going. And I sort of Celtic in the end did pretty well to withstand it because it looks terrifying. <laughs> Declan Gallagher leading into everything with his face. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Fine, get me in there. Brilliant. Absolutely adored it. It's us. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do it. Smashing. Um, great. Well, that's 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 Monday show. So uh, thank you very much for listening. We are off to do the Patreon, where we're going to discuss our top five underperforming managers. Yeah, it's a carryover from yeah from Thursdays where they, they didn't yeah they ran out of time all the time ran out of time. So we 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 are doing it five underachieving managers. Uh, so that'd be a great laugh. You can subscribe to that at patreon.com slash terrace podcast where you can get it for two dollars a month. Or seven dollars a month, and we send you a T-shirt. I believe. Yeehaw! Yeehaw. Um, so thanks again, guys. Thanks for your time today. Uh, and you can get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, TerracePodcast at Gmail dot com. Bye, guys. Cheerio. Cheers. Sports 
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.